Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. In addition to being a trainer and running my company, I'm also an adjunct professor at a community college where I teach a course called Essentials of Personal Training. This course is designed to teach students how to become personal trainers and prepares them to sit for the National Academy of Sports Medicine's Certified Personal Trainer Test. In this class, we spend a large portion of our semester talking about designing workouts, or programming as we call it. While many people think that making up workouts is just picking hard exercises, or putting more weight on a bar each week, or running farther each session, it's a lot more complex than that. Anyone can make up a workout with hundreds of repetitions that'll make someone vomit. Feeling terrible is not a measurement of a good training program. In fact, it's probably the opposite if you always feel terrible after workouts. Creating workout programs is just as much of an art as it is a science. But being a science, there are some proven systems that we as coaches need to abide by in order to create effective and safe workouts for our clients or athletes as we often call them. Today, I wanna share with you something that my students learn called the principles of training. These scientifically proven concepts apply to all training programs, for better or for worse, depending on whether or not they're being used correctly. As I go through each, I also want to quickly explain how each of them relates to how I program the workouts for the Straight Shot Training Program. So let's get into it. All right, so our first principle of training is the principle of individuality. So everyone is different. Everyone responds differently to different training styles. Some people are able to handle higher volumes of training, so we're talking about maybe more sets or maybe more reps, while other people may respond better to higher intensities, so higher weights or or faster repetitions if you're training for power. This is based on a combination of factors. So we're talking genetic ability, predominance of muscle fiber types. So you know some people are built better for endurance and other people are built better for strength. So compare your marathon runner to your NFL linebacker. They're just going to look different. Their muscle fibers are different because they have those predominance of muscle fiber types for either endurance or strength, plus their sport helps develop that. And there's some other factors that go into the individuality of your program, like your chronological age versus your athletic age, because those are two very different things. And even your mental state of whether or not a program is going to work for you being you. So this is why even though I program straight shot workouts for general fitness for the majority of fitness levels, I encourage everyone in the program to modify the repetitions, modify the sets, you can even modify the exercises depending on where they're at currently with their fitness level. Because just because a program is written a certain way, if it feels like too much or if there's something you can't do, you need to modify it so you'll stick with the program. And this is why I encourage feedback from my athletes so I can help them change the program as necessary on an individual basis. The next principle we have is the principle of specificity. So improving your skill or your ability in a sport or a task is very specific. If you want to become a great pitcher, running laps is going to help your overall conditioning, but it's not going to develop your skills at throwing or the power or muscular endurance required to throw 50 fastballs in a game. 
And swimming is going to help improve your aerobic endurance, but won't develop the tissue resiliency or the muscular endurance if you are a competitive runner. So cross training is good, but if you want to get better at something, you have to do it. Push-ups, for example, are going to make uh, your chest and your triceps probably strong and endurant, but they're not going to increase your one rep max bench press unless you're like just starting out. Uh, you might be able to uh, never do a bench press, um, bench press once and then just do push-ups and then bench press again and see your bench press number go up. That's for a, a very untrained individual. For, for the majority of people who have been training, push-ups are not going to increase your bench press numbers. So we're going to talk about variants later, about mixing in different exercises to help with other ones. But uh, the takeaway point for specificity, specificity is if you want to get better at something, you have to actually spend some time actually practicing it or doing it. So in my programs for general fitness, I've found that increasing a, a person's ability to squat, bench press, deadlift, and overhead press will make people, regardless of their uh, their goals, uh, just for general fitness, it's going to make them stronger, more resilient, more mobile. It's going to help them avoid injuries. And these movements are going to transfer over to many movements in everyday life. But in order to get better at your squat, deadlift, bench press, and overhead press, you have to do them more often. So most weeks we do these four lifts in different set and rep and intensity ranges throughout the year. But we see those exercises come up just about every week. And we also break our training into focused blocks where we spend, you know, six weeks developing strength or endurance or power or stability while we still maintain the other aspects of fitness because specificity also applies to a more broader sense of your training regimen where if you want to get stronger overall, you're going to have to train strength over your entire body. If you want to become more endurant, all of your rep ranges for all of your activities or all of your exercises are going to have to be higher. So you do have to focus your training a little bit if you really want to get better at something. But since most people want to be kind of well-rounded, unless you're competing in a sport that requires you to be very specific, since most people want a well-rounded uh, fitness level for themselves, that's why we as coaches who program functional fitness programs, and just like I program for the straight shot program, we like to mix in different concepts while still focusing a little bit on developing one of those. So maintaining the rest while focusing towards one of them is how we use stability in a macro view when it comes to our programming. The next principle I want to talk about is the principle of progression. So to reach the the roof of your ability, you're going to have to climb those first few flights of stairs before you can get out onto the, the roof and stare out over the landscape. You can, you can view this from both a technical skills standpoint as well as from an effort or distance standpoint. So in order to run a 10K, you need to be able to maintain your body position and breathing pattern well enough to complete the distance. In order to run that distance, you also need to build up your muscular endurance well enough to repeat the necessary motion of that leg cycle enough times to finish that race. The same goes with squatting 400 pounds. You have to start with the bar and slowly build up over time in order to reach that goal, allowing your legs to get stronger and teaching your core how to stabilize your spine under larger loads. And this principle of progression, meaning gradually increasing your ability to accomplish your goal task, actually ties right in with the next principle, which is the principle of overload. And these two are often, uh, in certain uh, teachings, will be these will group together into just the overload principle. But I like separating progression 
and overload principles so that I can kind of teach a little bit on each because progression, you're gradually increasing, whereas overload, you're having to get the body to do something it's never done before by actually overloading it. So I, I know they kind of seem like the same thing, but they are slightly different, um, but they do have to work in conjunction with each other. So the principle of overload, in order to increase strength and endurance, you need to add new resistances or new times or intensities to your efforts. So like I said, this principle works in concert with progression. To run that 10K race, athletes are going to need to build up distance over repeated sessions in a reasonable manner in order to improve the muscle adaptation as well as improve soft tissue strength and resiliency. So when you start squatting, you're going to start with the bar and then you're going to add some weight each week. You have to squat 135 before you squat 225. You need to squat 225 before you squat 315. And all the numbers in between 315 on your way to 400. Any demanding exercise attempted too soon is going to risk injury for you. If it's running, or if it's a repetition goal, or a maximal strength goal, if you overload too much too soon, you could suffer an injury that could set you back months or longer towards reaching your goal. That's why with Straight Shot, I program small increases each week. So adding two and a half to five pounds a week on your upper body lift, if it's one like your bench press that we're doing over and over again, um, and that's assuming that it feels good for the athlete to do that. You could also add five to 10 pounds when it comes to lower body lifts, again, provided the athlete is feeling it that day. Uh, and some lifts I have them try to add repetitions each week. The same goes with running or the other cardio that we do in the program. I encourage my athletes to modify the distances and times that they're just starting out so they can gradually build up to doing some of the harder workouts by gradually overloading. You only have the rest of your life to train. That's what I always say. So be patient, but you still need to overload your body in some way. Overload does not have to be drastic. In fact, it's not supposed to be, which is why the overload principle is one of those elements or, or one of the principles of training that is the most often, I think this one and rest are the most often misunderstood by coaches. They overload too much because they think, well, if overloading is good, lots of overloading or over overloading would be even better. And the same thing with progression. Well, if adding a little bit is good, adding a lot more is even better. It doesn't work like that. In fact, your athlete's gonna get injured or they're gonna get burnt out, uh, especially if it comes to um, running or, or other uh, cardiovascular efforts. You can really burn somebody out if you just keep adding more and more volume on top of their training program. And the way that you know if you're doing uh, the overload principle correctly is our next principle. And this is the principle of adaptation. And adaptation is both a good and a bad thing. And we're gonna talk about that now. So over time, the body becomes accustomed to exercising at a given level. And this adaptation results in improved efficiency. So you're, so less effort, uh, less muscle breakdown at that level of effort. That's why the first time you ran a mile, you were probably sore after it, but now it might not seem so bad. It might be the warm up for you. It's also why once you're deadlifting 300 pounds, your first warm-up set is probably what your one rep max was from way back in the day. So this is why you need to change the stimulus via heavier weights, more reps, less rest, faster times, or longer duration in order to continue the improvements. 
Your body is always going to try to conserve energy by putting forth the minimal amount of effort in order to accomplish a task. It's why you burn less calories running that mile as an experienced runner as opposed to a brand new runner. Adaptation is natural and inevitable, which is why I place so much stock in varying the training stimuli over the course of the year and the smart utilization of variance, which is a subcategory I want to jump into in just a second. But first, the last thing I want to say about adaptation is if you do not change up your workout or if you don't use overload, then your body is going to adapt to what you're doing and eventually you're not going to be getting stronger. Uh, you're going to be burning less calories running that same distance. Um, it's actually You're actually going to be getting technically less fits. You're going to be getting uh, less endurance, less strong because you just do the same thing over and over again. That's why you need to change things up. It's actually going uh, against overload because you have to overload and then adapt and then overload and adapt, overload and adapt, and that is what progression is. So you see how these are kind of all fit together. Um, hopefully these concepts aren't sounding too, I'm trying to make these like as concrete as possible because when I'm teaching them, I, I do sometimes see people glaze over when I'm teaching, but I really want to make sure that um, you can apply this to whatever your current training program is so you can get something out of what we're talking about today. So jumping back into it, uh, variance is a subcategory that I like to throw in here. It's not actually a training principle, but I think that it definitely goes hand in hand with adaptation and progression and overload. So it's an important method and it's part of the way that I train and it's a big part of the way that I train from, or I program for my clients. Varying exercises or varying movements can help break through the plateaus that come whenever your body adapts to a certain exercise or a certain stimulus. So I like to vary the repetition ranges of repeated lifts every six weeks or so. So this is when I'm talking about the training blocks that we train in. In six weeks, we might spend six weeks on strength and then gradually get into six weeks of power. And we're going to change the repetition ranges. Even though we're doing the same lifts, we're going to change the way that we train those lifts to help people break through those plateaus. For some lifts, we change the lifts themselves every week. So now this doesn't mean that the programming is random, it, not at all. For instance, one week we may do a dumbbell flat bench press. So you're laying your back on a bench, pressing two dumbbells. You're going to do three sets of eight repetitions. The next week, we're going to replace that with a dumbbell incline bench press. So now the bench is an incline. You're pressing upward at an angle. You're still doing a bench press, but it's at an upward angle. You're still doing three sets of eight reps. The following week, we're going to do a dumbbell neutral grip bench press. So rather than your thumbs facing each other in the bench press, your uh, wrists are facing each other as you do a bench press. So it's still a bench press, but it's a slightly different angle, and we're still going to do three sets of eight repetitions with it. So the sets and reps, or the, the volume is the same, the prescribed intensity is the same, the direction of pressing is pretty much generally, generally the same. We're just adding some slight variance to the angles that we're working in. So each lift is going to carry over to the other and make the program challenging in different ways. It's going to challenge the stabilizing muscles a different way. So we're strengthening your rotator cuff. Uh, you're still going to be developing the three of those uh, accessory lifts to your bench press. You're going to be developing each one of them individually and they're going to be carrying over to each other. 
So we do this with many different exercises, which is why we have in our library of exercises that we're currently using about 230 exercises. Um, this is including all of our mobility exercises as well. And we're about to film a bunch more uh, this upcoming winter, which I'm really excited about, so we can rotate some, some fresh ones in here. Uh, so we even do it with our conditioning work. Uh, we use treadmills, rowers, bikes, etc. You can still have progression. You can still have overload with variance. And you can even have a little specificity provided is targeted variance and not random. So that's the difference I want to really make sure I hammer in here is that we, especially with the straight shot training program, yes, we change up the lifts, but it is not a random program. We're not just, just picking things out of a hat and doing them. We're not just throwing stuff and see what sticks. We have a, an actual goal in mind for you all why we're trying to develop all these lifts and do them in different uh angles or, or different ranges, things like that, because we're trying to make you all around fitter and help you adapt correctly the what you're supposed to and, and hit those uh, numbers you're supposed to be progressing with and while still overloading, but not hitting the point of adaptation where you're getting stuck by just doing, if you just did dumbbell bench press every week, eventually you, you'd get stuck with those numbers. So we found that this variance helps our athletes increase their numbers over the course of the year on all of the lifts and never get stuck. Plus, it's just fun. A lot of people like doing these different lifts. That's, that's one of the, the good pieces of feedback that I've gotten about the program is people like the variance. This next principle is one of my favorite to talk about because it's the most controversial to talk about and it really shouldn't be. This is the principle of recovery. So the body cannot repair itself without rest and time to recover. Sleep and not working the same muscle group every day is necessary to ensure that your body does not suffer from exhaustion or overuse injuries. Motivated athletes often neglect this. So at the basic level, the more you train, the more sleep your body needs, despite the adaptations you may have made to said training. So even though, yes, you're getting better at this program, if you are training at higher intensities or doing more training, your body's going to need more recovery, more sleep. This is why I'm not a fan of the lift heavy every day or no days off mindset. It doesn't make you less of a hard worker if you take a rest day between full body training days. Or it doesn't make you less of a hard worker if you split your training into upper and lower body days or push-pull days. In fact, I think you're actually a smarter athlete because while everyone else is beating up their bodies every day, and making minor gains and whatever their goals might be, you're allowing your body to actually recover, rest, and make greater gains while simultaneously avoiding injuries. I don't know how many people I see doing uh, Olympic lifting every single day. Uh, if, unless you're an Olympic lifter, you really shouldn't be doing it every day. Uh, how many of them have rotator cuff injuries or hip impingement issues or low back issues from constantly pulling things from the floor? You have to let your body recover. The people that are lifting heavy every day because it's their job have done this their entire life and their recovery methods are second to none. They're using compression, uh, contrast baths, massage therapy, uh, uh, physical therapists doing Graston and cupping and all these other different recovery strategies. If you're just a a casual exerciser, you should not be destroying your body every single day with the same types of lifts. Here's a little secret. Did you know it is not actually during your workouts where you get stronger? It's in fact, it's, it's in between them. Working out actually makes you weaker. 
is the process of rest and recovery where your body repairs tissue and neurologically adapts to a greater stimulus. So let me repeat this. I'll shorten it up. Working out makes you weak. Recovering from those workouts makes you stronger. So I know that that's kind of hard to wrap your head around that actually working out less will make you stronger, but you really have to push yourself when you work and rest when you rest. And you have to have that balance. This is why I program active recovery days with Straight Shot, where we do some lighter aerobic work that's going to aid in your recovery. We also take one full day off a week and we lift no more than four times a week. And on the lifting days, we split up exactly what part of the body we're working on each day. And I'm not saying, you know, chest one day, back another day, which you can do that depending on what your goal is. You can split it into upper, lower, split it into pushing, pulling, or split it into full body workouts with a day in between. You just have to respect the principle of recovery. It is essential if you're actually going to try to get somewhere with your program. The last principle here, and this is the tough one, this is the principle of reversibility. This is where things go the opposite direction. If you discontinue the application of a particular exercise like running five miles or bench pressing 150 pounds 10 times, you will lose the ability to successfully complete that exercise. Your muscles at some point down the road will atrophy. Uh, your cellular adaptations like increased capillaries, which is the blood flow to the muscles and the mitochondrial density in the muscles will reverse. Now you can slow the rate of this loss substantially by conducting some type of maintenance or reduced program of training during the periods when life's getting kind of crazy, life gets in the way of your training. This is why just about all coaches will have athletes stay active in the off season from their sports just so that they don't lose everything. But sometimes you need to take a break. You need a mental break or during the, uh, if you're an athlete, you need to some time to recover in the off season just because your sport is so strenuous. Um, for everybody else who is not playing a sport and you're just exercising, sometimes just life gets in the way. You get too busy. The holidays are a hard time to try to make fitness gains. I always encourage people just to try to maintain their lifts and their weight around the holidays just because it's there's a lot going on and there's probably a lot going on with your diet that shouldn't be happening. So I know that this concept is a bit frustrating and this statement I'm about to make is frustrating for a lot of people, but fitness is not permanent. It is not a goal with an end that you can stop at. So you can definitely run a maintenance program, but you can't just stop and expect everything to stay there. This is why throughout the year with Straight Shot, we do some strength, some power, some stability, some speed, and some endurance work, even when we're focusing on one of those elements more than the others, just so we don't lose total capacity of being able to do those activities. Even just a little work in each training method is enough to maintain it. And I don't want you to be scared of this principle if you need to take a week off for a vacation or a week off for a mental break. It actually takes your body some time to experience atrophy or strength or endurance losses. You will not lose muscle mass by taking a week off. In fact, you won't even really lose strength. There was a recent study that showed that after three weeks of inactivity, you could lose just five to 10% of your strength, but that's really mostly due to a neurological adaptation. It's not really that your muscles are getting weaker, it's just it's almost like you're forgetting how to send the signal to the muscles to apply that force to be that strong. After three weeks, you may start to lose some muscle mass, 
but if your calories are up enough, you may be able to mitigate some of those losses. All of this being said, taking a month off can really set you back in your pursuit of your fitness goals. So take a few days off, take a week off if you need a break or if life's getting busy, uh, if you want to take a vacation and not have to worry about working out. Back off for a little bit for a month if you need to you know, take a longer break. Don't stop training, but just back off for a month and keep doing something during that time and mind your nutrition so that when you come back, you won't be so far behind when it comes to those goals you are trying to achieve. So there they are, principles of training. Thank you so much for listening today. Hopefully this will help you in your own training to be mindful of each of these and hopefully it gave you a glimpse into the way that we program things here at Straight Shot. If you would like to join the awesome group of ladies and gentlemen that we have doing the Straight Shot workouts, head over to straightshottraining.com for all the details on a subscription to our online training service. As always, you can connect with us on social media using the handle at Straight Shot Training. Thanks again and have a great week, everybody. 